Introduction to Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. Read from The Writings of Thomas Paine, Volume 2, collected and edited by Moncure Daniel Conway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Rights of Man, Editor's Introduction. When Thomas Paine sailed from America for France in April 1787, he was perhaps as happy a man as any in the world. His most intimate friend, Thomas Jefferson, was minister at Paris, and his friend Lafayette was the idol of France. His fame had preceded him, and he at once became, in Paris, the center of the same circle of savants and philosophers that had surrounded Benjamin Franklin his main reason for proceeding at once to paris was that he might submit to the academy of sciences his invention of an iron bridge and with its favorable verdict he came to england in september he at once went to his aged mother at thetford leaving with the publisher ridgeway his prospects on the rubicon he next made arrangements to patent his bridge and to construct at rotherham the large model of it exhibited on paddington green london he was welcomed in england by leading statesmen such as lansdowne and fox and above all by edmund burke who for some time had him as a guest at beaconsfield and drove him about in various parts of the country he had not the slightest revolutionary purpose either as regarded england or france towards louis the sixteenth he felt only gratitude for the services he had rendered america and towards george the third he felt no animosity whatever his four months sojourn in paris had convinced him that there was approaching a reform of that country after the american model except that the crown would be preserved a compromise he approved provided the throne should not be hereditary events in france travelled more swiftly than he had anticipated and paine was summoned by lafayette condorcet and others as an adviser in the formation of a new constitution such was the situation immediately preceding the political and literary duel between paine and burke which in the event turned out a tremendous war between royalism and republicanism in europe Paine was, both in France and in England, the inspirer of moderate councils. Samuel Rogers relates that in early life he dined at a friend's house in London with Thomas Paine when one of the toasts given was the memory of Joshua, in allusion to the Hebrew leader's conquest of the kings of Canaan and execution of them. Paine observed that he would not treat kings like Joshua, I'm of the Scotch parson's opinion, he said, when he prayed against Louis the Fourteenth. Lord, shake him over the mouth of hell, but don't let him drop. Payne then gave as his toast, quote, The Republic of the World, end quote, which Samuel Rogers, aged 29, noted as a sublime idea. This was Payne's faith and hope, and with it he confronted the revolutionary storms which presently burst over France and England. Until Burke's arraignment of France in his parliamentary speech, February 9, 1790, Payne had no doubt whatever that he would sympathize with the movement in France, and wrote to him from that country as if conveying glad tidings. Burke's Reflections on the Revolution in France appeared November 1, 1790, 
and Payne at once set himself to answer it. He was then staying at the Angel Inn, Islington. The inn has been twice rebuilt since that time, and from its contents there is preserved only a small image which perhaps was meant to represent liberty, possibly brought from Paris by Payne as an ornament for his study. From the Angel he removed to a house in Harding Street, Fetter Lane. Rickman says, part first of Rights of Man was finished at Versailles, but probably this has reference to the preface only, as I cannot find Payne in France that year until April 8. The book had been printed by Johnson in time for the opening of Parliament in February, but this publisher became frightened after a few copies were out, there is one in the British Museum, and the work was transferred to J.S. Jordan, 166 Fleet Street, with a preface sent from Paris, not contained in Johnson's edition, nor in the American editions. The pamphlet, though sold at the same price as Burke's, three shillings, had a vast circulation, and Payne gave the proceeds to the constitutional societies which sprang up under his teachings in various parts of the country. Soon after appeared Burke's appeal from the new to the old Whigs. In this, Burke quoted a good deal from Rights of Man, but replied to it only with exclamation points, saying that the only answer to such ideas merited was, quote, criminal justice, end quote. Payne's part second followed, published February 17, 1792. In part first, Payne had mentioned a rumor that Burke was a masked pensioner, a charge that will be noticed in connection with its detailed statement in a further publication and as burke had been formally arraigned in parliament while paymaster for a very questionable proceeding this charge no doubt hurt a good deal although the government did not follow burke's suggestion of a prosecution at that time there is little doubt that it was he who induced the prosecution of part second before the trial came on december eighteenth seventeen ninety two payne was occupying his seat in the french convention and could only be outlawed Burke humorously remarked to a friend of Payne and himself, quote, We hunt in pairs. End quote. The severally representative character and influence of these two men in the revolutionary era, in France and England, deserve more adequate study than they have received. While Payne maintained freedom of discussion, Burke first proposed criminal prosecution for sentiments by no means libelous, such as Payne's part first. While Payne was endeavoring to make the movement in France peaceful, Burke fomented the League of Monarchs against France, which maddened its people and brought on the reign of terror. While Payne was endeavoring to preserve the French throne, phantom though he believed it, to prevent bloodshed, Burke was secretly writing to the Queen of France, entreating her not to compromise and to, quote, trust to the support of foreign armies, end quote. Histoire de France depuis 1789, Henri Martin, I, 151. While Burke thus helped to bring the king and queen to the guillotine, Payne pleaded for their lives to the last moment. While Payne maintained the right of mankind to improve their condition, Burke held that, quote, the awful author of our being is the author of our place in the order of existence, and that having disposed and marshaled us by a divine tactic, not according to our will, but according to his, he has, in and by that disposition, virtually subjected us to act the part which belongs to the place assigned us, end quote. 
paine was a religious believer in eternal principles burke held that quote, political problems do not primarily concern truth or falsehood they relate to good or evil what in the result is likely to produce evil is politically false that which is productive of good politically is true End quote. assuming thus the visionary's right to decide before the result what was quote, likely to produce evil End quote. burke vigorously sought to kindle war against the french republic which might have developed itself peacefully while paine was striving for an international congress in europe in the interest of peace paine had faith in the people and believed that if allowed to choose representatives they would select their best and wisest men and that while reforming government the people would remain orderly as they had generally remained in america during the transition from british rule to self-government burke maintained that if the existing political order were broken up there would be no longer a people but quote, a number of vague loose individuals and nothing more End quote. alas he exclaims they little know how many a weary step is to be taken before they can form themselves into a mass which has a true personality for the sake of peace paine wished the revolution to be peaceful as the advance of summer he used every endeavor to reconcile english radicals to some modus vivendi with the existing order as he was willing to retain louis the sixteenth as head of the executive in france burke resisted every tendency of english statesmanship to reform at home or to negotiate with the french republic and was mainly responsible for the king's death and the war that followed between england and france in february seventeen ninety three burke became a royal favorite Payne was outlawed by a prosecution originally proposed by Burke. While Payne was demanding religious liberty, Burke was opposing the removal of penal statutes from Unitarians, on the ground that but for those statutes, Payne might some day set up a church in England. When Burke was retiring on a large royal pension, Payne was in prison through the devices of Burke's confederate, the American minister in Paris. So the two men, as Burke said, quote, hunted in pairs so far as burke's attempts to affirm any principle he is fairly quoted in paine's work and nowhere misrepresented as for paine's own ideas the reader should remember that rights of man was the earliest complete statement of republican principles they were pronounced to be the fundamental principles of the american republic by jefferson madison and jackson the three presidents who above all others represented the republican idea which paine first allied with american independence those who suppose that Paine did but reproduce the principles of Rousseau and Locke will find by careful study of his well-weighed language that such is not the case. Paine's political principles were evolved out of his early Quakerism. He was potential in George Fox. The belief that every human soul was the child of God and capable of direct inspiration from the Father of all, without mediator or priestly intervention or sacramental instrumentality, was fatal to all privilege and rank. The universal fatherhood implied universal brotherhood or human equality but the fate of the quakers proved the necessity of protecting the individual spirit from oppression by the majority as well as by privileged classes for this purpose paine insisted on surrounding the individual right with the security of the declaration of rights not to be invaded by any government and would reduce government to an association limited in its operations to the defense of those rights which the individual is unable alone to maintain
from the preceding chapter it will be seen that part second of rights of man was begun by Paine in the spring of 1791. At the close of that year, or early in 1792, he took up his abode with his friend Thomas Cleo Rickman at number 7 Upper Marillabone Street. Rickman was a radical publisher. The house remains still a bookbinding establishment and seems little changed since Paine therein revised the proofs of Part Second on a table which Rickman marked with a plate and which is now in possession of Mr. Edward Truelove. As the plate states, Paine wrote on the same table other works which appeared in England in 1792. In 1795, D. I. Eaton published an edition of Rights of Man with a preface purported to have been written by Paine while in Luxembourg prison. It is manifestly spurious. The genuine English and French prefaces are given. End of Introduction